So today we're going to talk about things Jesus never said. And Jesus never said, get those noisy kids out of here. I've said it. Jesus never said it. Uh, in the Roman society, uh, in the ancient world, in Jesus' day, most 50% of children died before the age of 10. In the, in the Roman culture, they valued boys more than girls. So infants born with disabilities or unwanted females, it wasn't that they didn't want females, but if they had multiple females, they'd also often not want them. They were commonly left exposed to the elements. In other words, that, they call that, in other words, that was, they also practiced abortion, uh, but it was common that if they had a child that they didn't want, they would just put it out on the trash dump. Now, what did happen is that because slavery was such a big, important deal, most, most Roman citizens, if you had 10 slaves, you were poor. Most Roman citizens had hundreds of slaves. And so, since slavery was such a big deal, uh, people would rescue those children, in a sense, rescue them from the trash dump and raise them and then sell them in the slave market. Then, uh, Christianity, they began to affect that. So they began to actually go in and rescue those children from the slave trade to raise them as their own children. Kind of, in a sense, some of the first foster parenting. So-so, uh, and it so, it so impacted the Roman culture that by 374, it took 374 years, but 374, the Roman emperor declared... Uh, exposing your children or that kind of infanticide as, as against the law. So, so the Romans valued their children. They valued their children differently than we value your children, but they did value, they loved and valued their children, especially the Christians and the, and the Jewish influence. They, they valued their children, but they saw their children much as our world would have seen their children un until about a hundred years ago. They saw their children as an asset. Words, you know, if any, if you went to the Midwest and went to any farm 50 years ago, or no, probably 75 years ago, uh, that farmer would have had as many kids as he could have had. He'd have eight or 10 kids because uh, they were farmhands. It's free labor. They were helping run the family business. And the family business was make enough food to live on, you know, to survive. And so it was really common, uh, they saw children as an asset. So the Romans saw their children as, my children are my retirement plan. Seriously, I mean, they're thinking, I'm going to raise my children, and then my children are going to take care of me in old age. Now, is that a belief today? No. No, if you're going to think your kids are going to take care of you in old age, good luck, sucker. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, in America, we abort 600,000 uh, kids a year, children a year. That's, now, that's bad news, but the good news is that number is declining. Because in the 90s, it was over a million a year. And so what, one of the things that is changing is that, is that people no longer are, are believing that 
life is not life until it's born. That, that life, they believe that a baby in the womb is it's a baby, not just tissue. And, we, you know, this is kind of schizophrenic because you, you can have an abortion at the same time that if someone injures that child in the womb, they can be charged with murder. So we have schizophrenic views about that. Uh, about uh, one in six children in America live with hunger. It's not because we don't have enough food. We actually supply food for a lot of the world. Did you, and there's still hunger in the world. Only about 22% of the world lives in, in hunger. And you're talking about one out of six children in America. That's what? About 17%, right? About 17%. So it's not a huge difference. The reality is, if you wonder about this, there is enough food. We produce enough food for everybody. There's not a shortage of food. There's the, in other words, the, the farmers of the world produce enough food to feed everybody. The problem is we can't get it to everybody. And... And there are places in the world that are so poor. A lot of places in the world, the average daily income is a is $1.90 a day. So you're talking about that's, that's average. Where a large percent, about a third of the world lives on less than $2 a day. Uh, so they, it's not that the food's not available. It's just that they don't have the resource. They don't have enough money to buy it. So that's the reality. Uh, but one in six children in America live in hunger, which is when you think this is the, we're the wealthiest country in the world. So it's a pretty amazing that, you know, that many children would be in hunger. 12 million children live with food insecurity, which means there's not enough food for everybody in the family, or they wonder uh, if there will be. There, there might be, there might not be. And a lot of the food that they do have, it's not that they don't have food, but the food that they have is not nutritious food. It's not healthy food. It's, it's, uh, it's food. And some food's better than no food, but it's not healthy. So, you know, we, we face challenges with children. Frankly, kids are, kids are expensive. If you, if you have children, you know this. Uh, clothes, shoes, uh, doctors. College. They're noisy. They're smelly. And uh, almost always have sticky hands. I shook hands with several children in the foyer this morning, and uh, I got my share of donut sticky on my hands because they all, you know, have a donut. That's really why we have the donuts. The adults don't need them, but the kids love them. Uh, they ruin your clothes with snot. And spit up. And I don't know what happens to you as a grandparent, but uh, you don't care. It's like, yeah, I'll wash it. It's okay. It's just a shirt, you know. Uh, they ruin your sleep and your sex life. You can no longer even go to the bathroom without little hands reaching under the door. Right? And saying, Mama, Mom, Daddy, Daddy's like, can you just give me three minutes? No, they're not going to give you three minutes. Uh, they challenge your will with their will. They can be stubborn about 
crazy things about what they're going to wear, what they're not going to wear, or some toy or something. Uh, they challenge your sanity. But all I can say about this, they are so worth it. Yes. <laughs> Snuggles and kisses. Watching them sleep, which is when they're all, you know, that's the favorite time, is you think, you know, <laughs> watching them. You know, is there anything, I don't know if there's anything better in the world, actually, there's, than a child falling asleep with you holding them. It's just like golden. Uh, seeing them learn everything, watching the dawn of understanding light up their face when they're learn, they see something new, and that's part is just it's letting your, you know, as your children experience new things, you get to things that you've done a hundred times and they do it one, the first time. And it's just like, wow, it's so fun. Uh, nothing has brought me as much joy as my children. And they still do. My favorite thing is my kids. <laughs> my, my favorite thing in the world is to be able to spend time with my kids and with my grandkids. I mean, we were at uh, Baker's Ribs on, on Thursday and for lunch, and uh, Laura and Edda met us. And in Baker's Ribs, as you walk in at the end of the aisle, there is a ice cream machine. And she saw that, boom, she saw that ice cream machine. She took me by the hand and walked me over to it. <laughs> and I said, we, we can't eat ice cream now. We have to wait till we have lunch. We have to eat our lunch first, and then we can have some ice cream. So we got our lunch, and we went and sat down. She did not eat one thing. So, you know, you, you start this. You can't have any ice cream if you don't eat your lunch. You can't have any ice cream unless you take a bite out of your chicken. You can't have any ice cream unless you look at your chicken diligently. <laughs> But I, I said, you know, I'm because so, I'm the softy, you know, and I said, okay, we got to be, we got to be strong on this and uh, we can't let her get her way, you know? And so she, she got down. So she got down from the table. She came around, got up in my lap and she started giving me kisses. <laughs> Papa, Papa, please, Papa. We can't have any ice cream. You didn't eat your lunch. Papa, please. <laughs> oh, that was a hard battle. I did not give in. And y'all are mad at me about it, right? <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> I usually do, but I didn't. So Jesus encountered children in his ministry. I mean, if you, if you read with open eyes, you see that Jesus was very involved with children in his ministry. I mean, you know, he fed the 5,000 with the loaves and fishes from a young lad that he got. He, he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Uh, you know, he, he, was in, he healed the centurion's daughter. There was this story after story. Jesus was involved with children. He uh, when, when culture would have pushed them aside, Jesus didn't. So it, it gives us some insight to, about how Jesus values children. So in Mark chapter 10, verse 13, it tells us this. People were bringing 
little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. It would have been common for Jewish people to have rabbis, their rabbi, say a blessing over their children, and especially around the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, you think about the Day of Atonement, it was a very important day. It's kind of like the Day of Atonement was the day of forgiveness. Uh, it's a day of, of new beginnings, kind of a day of like refocusing your life in God, the, the, the Jewish people, and the thing, okay, we've gotten off track. Do you ever feel that way? I've gotten off track. I've gotten distracted. I need, to ref- I need to get serious with God. I need to get my life back on track. I've got too many other things pulling me so many different directions. And so this was a good time for them. Day of Atonement, kind of like a time of spiritual renewal for them every year, where they come before God, receive forgiveness for their sins, and it was, it was a time when they would often want their children to be blessed. You know, I want my kids to go in this path. I want my kids to go this way. I, I don't want them to mess up their lives. You know, I want to make good decisions. So they would, they would pray for the kids. But the disciples rebuked them. Disciples wouldn't let the children come near. Because they're, they're in a sense, protecting Jesus you know, for more important adult stuff. You know. That he's got a, all these other people that want to see Jesus, and a lot of people want to see Jesus. And it says that when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. You know what indignant means? He was mad. He was angry. It, it made Jesus angry that the disciples didn't understand how he valued children. That they hadn't caught that. Because he had demonstrated it in a lot of different ways. And he was angry, not at the children. He was angry at his disciples because they were preventing the children from coming to him. And you know, one of the things, what makes you angry defines what you value. What do you get angry about? Do you get angry about people cutting you off in traffic? Probably do. I mean, do you, you get angry about, I mean, there's just so many things we get angry about. A lot of the time it determines our value and it often reveals what our value is. Our highest value is us, <laughs> right? I mean, often our highest value, we're so angry because our highest value is us and it's not others. So we, you know, we're, we're upset. Uh, so Jesus said, no, these kids are valued. Jesus says, these kids, he's saying to the disciples, hey, these kids are just as important as all these adults. Now, that was an important value thing that Jesus, this, this is what changed. Just this simple act is one of the things. So the early church realized, oh, Jesus said, bless the children. So the early church realized the value of children. And so because of that, they began to go into the trash dump and rescue children. They begin to value children and rescue children and because they realize kids are as important adults. Children have worth. And he said to them, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to children. He says, don't create barriers to, and that keep children from coming to me. Don't make it's hard for Jesus, for children to come to Jesus. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 42. Jesus said this. If anyone causes one of these little ones 
Those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. So much for Jesus, meek and mild. Right? I mean, what he said, listen. And he's saying, that would be better than what's coming to them. <laughs> Think about that. It would be, you'd be better off than to face the wrath of God for injuring children. You'd be better off, instead of facing the coming wrath of God for injuring children, you'd be better off if someone wrapped a millstone around your neck and drowned you in the sea. So, what I would get from this is that I think we want to be very careful that we protect the children that are at LCC. It's very important to us that children have a safe environment, and both physically and emotionally. So, you know, I mean, one of the things that's a super big hassle, if you think about it, is we check in your children. And we do that because we want it to be safe. Because we want to make sure that the person who checks your child out has permission to do so. Now, you know, here's the crazy thing. Did you know 15 years ago there wasn't a church in America doing this? We didn't worry about it. But we realized it dawned on us the value. And you could have, you could have somebody walk in in a custody battle. You could have a parent walk in and get a child that is maybe the parent of the child. And the child would recognize as daddy, but daddy has no right to take the child. M- many of the missing Child, when you hear an Amber Alert, it is someone in the family that has taken that child. And the person who's working back there would not have the ability in that moment to discern because the child's acting like, look, it's daddy here to take me away. Oh, well, you can go with daddy. And then you're in trouble. So we have to be very careful. So I know that sometimes this is a hassle, but it's a necessary hassle that we have to have in this day and age to protect our children. Because it's a, it's a rough world. We also want to protect them emotionally. Be careful what you say to children and teens. As adults in church, you represent the church to them. And they will judge the church based on you. In other words... Your children are going to interpret what the kingdom of God is like, what God is like, and what the church is like by the worst person at church. Think about it. One cranky church member can do a world of damage in the mind of a teen. See, the devil doesn't care if you hate Taco Bell. You know, that if you get offended at TJ Maxx, he doesn't care. But if somebody at the church offends you, he wants you to take that into yourself. Because he wants to separate you from the kingdom of God. So if someone, so we have to be very careful. We don't want to give him ammunition or fodder because we have to be very careful and not be the type of people that are causing damage with our, our casual words. You know, our casual words. Here's what the Bible says. The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. 
Lord, you can say things that kill people. And so you just have to work really hard to diligently say positive, encouraging, uplifting things to every child and young person you come in contact with. I can tell you, my children have had horrendous said things said to them through the years by church people. And, you know, because they're the preacher's kids, everybody knows who they are. And so they were, just have had people's, you know, and I want to think, and I think, God, Jesus, help us. Don't kill them, just hurt them real bad, Lord. <laughs> because, and, and it's just not my kids, just casual remarks that are made about kids, about, you know, maybe they got a tattoo. And you got to feel like, you know, let's pull out an obscure Bible verse and tell them they're going to hell because they got a tattoo or they, or they, you know, or they're wearing something crazy or their hair's blue, which if we did that, we'd have to pick on the old people too, but, uh, (laughs) or purple. I mean, a lot of people have multicolored hair. I saw on the news last night, a 90-year-old lady went skydiving on her birthday. Her hair was purple. Shelly's got purple hair. You know, Shelly, I was thinking, when she was up here, I was thinking, you know, when they made Shelly, they broke the mold. And then they found the mold maker and beat him up. <laughs> Old joke. We want to say positive things. We want to, we want to build people up. They need to be encouraged. We need, to, we need to work at saying positive things to the people around us. And while you're at it, don't just do it to kids. Do it to everybody around you. Did you know generally people have enough stuff taking them down? And if you want to speak correction into somebody's life, you, you have to recognize you have to earn the right to do that. You have, to earn, you have to have relationship to do that. I mean, correction is tough. How many of you say, oh, I wish somebody would come and correct me. I just love it because I want to be a better person. We all hate it. We hate it when someone says, I didn't like the way you did that. We don't like correction. So if you're going to try to correct somebody, you at least need to have done the work of being in relationship with that person so that they know that you actually care about them. It's just not a casual comment that... That you thought about, oh, I don't like your blue shoes. Yeah, which no one has said that to me. Because I'll punch you in the nose. I wouldn't do that. (laughs) I'll call someone. Have them. I mean, think about the things that we do. We don't want to hinder the work of God over the need to express our opinion. You know, and don't you run, we've, I've, I've run those people who said, well, you know, I just got to tell the truth. That's the way I feel. It's not the truth. Just because you feel it doesn't make it the truth. Amen. It's still an opinion. There's a difference between truth and opinion. You say, well, I don't like that. Good. That's your opinion. Keep it to yourself. But, we, you know, especially today, well, let's just... Let's go on Facebook and talk about it. Or let's go on Instagram or let's wherever we're going to go. And so just be careful. We don't want to ruin people 
give them, damage them from the kingdom of God because of our desire to share an opinion. We have to value the children. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So Jesus said, he's got a child in their midst, and he says, he's blessed them, and he said, hey, you guys don't keep these kids from coming over here because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The children are always the future of the church. You see, the, the focus, so why is it the, the kingdom belongs to these? The, fir, the focus of the kingdom of God is always towards what's coming. We always want to talk about what's happened. The work of God is always moving forward. The work of God is moving to reach the next generation. We should always be about reaching the next generation. Every generation has to be responsible to set their sights on reaching the next generation, not in placating and keeping this generation happy. What would happen if every couple, every couple that got married didn't have children and only invested in their own happiness? I mean, we've only got one generation and we're gone. If every couple just invested in their own happiness, I mean, children are expensive. And they'll tie you down more than a puppy, let me tell you. Right? Children are investment, they're expensive. They're 24 hours. And if you say, well, I'm, you know, if everyone did that, then we wouldn't, <laughs> our species can't survive. <clears throat> that's what a lot of churches do. A lot of churches invest their money in their own happiness and not in the next generation. We have to care about, each generation has to keep reaching Let's touch the next generation. Let's reach another generation. Let's not just be happy. Let's be happy. You know what makes me happy? My greatest joy is seeing young people and children come to Christ. It doesn't mean that I don't rejoice in seeing someone old come to Christ. I do. But it's so exciting to see what God is doing in the next generation. And we've got to, we have to continue to invest in that. That's our, it's a big part of where we spend our money. And it should be. Because children are important. Verse 15, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I, anyone who will not receive, receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. How do you receive the kingdom like a child? How do you receive it like a child? Matthew 18 Jesus is dealing with their struggling. He says, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is grace in the kingdom of heaven? What a question. Which one of us is the greatest? You know, I mean, can you imagine going to Jesus and saying, hey, which one of us is the best? Is it me? Is it Peter? Is it John? Is it James? Is it Matthew? Is it Judas? And he called a little child and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change, 
Basically, he said, you're missing it now. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So basically, he said to them, they said, which of us is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he said, none of you. He said, as a matter of fact, unless you change, you're not even going to get into the kingdom of heaven. He said, you've got to change and become like little children. They're whoever takes the lowly position of this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. He said, you're not going to get into heaven on your merits, boys. You're going to get into heaven on what I'm going to do on the cross for you and you believing in that and receiving that. You're not going to get to heaven on your own works. You're going to humble yourself. Like a little child. A child is dependent on their parents. I mean, we've got, there's a couple of little tiny babies in here today. We've got a baby that's two weeks old. We've got, you know, they can't do anything. I mean, they can't even smile at you, but we make, we act like they can. It's gas usually. I mean, at two, they're just, two weeks, they're just eating and making diapers dirty. Right? They're dependent. They're weak and vulnerable. We have to take care of them. Children are trusting. You can tell children crazy stories and they will believe them. Because you're their parents. They just trust you. you. So if you're going to be like a child, you have to be humble. You have to be trusting. You have to be dependent. Children have access to the Father. I love this. Tim Keller says this. Only a child would dare wake a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water. And we have that kind of access to our Father. He's our Heavenly Father. Galatians says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. How we treat children is important because it represents the kingdom of God. How we value children. How we invest in children. How we love the children around us. How we show them what the kingdom of God is like. How we demonstrate it effectively. How we, how we show them with kindness and love. How we make this a wonderful place where kids want to be here. They long to be here. I've told you the story, but one, in, in my life I had two grandmothers. I had my grandma Carr and my grandma Hewitt. And my grandma Hewitt was a grump. I loved her. She was my grandmother. But she was grumpy. She was a Christian lady. But when I went to grandma Hewitt's house... She always told me what I was doing wrong my whole life. Oh, you've put on a little weight. Oh, why is your face all broke out? I don't know, Grandma. If I knew, I would get rid of pimples, but I've had them for years. I'm a teenager. You know, I couldn't say that to Grandma or I would have died. Uh, but, you know, just that, just that, you know, just always felt the weight of criticism, of judgment. So I didn't like going to Grandma Hewitt's house. But I had another grandma that lived in Big Spring, Texas. 
There's nothing good in Big Spring, Texas. Just a sandbox. She had a little tiny nothing house. She was broke. She was poor. But I loved going to Grandma Carr's house. Because when I walked through the door, she acted like she was glad to see me. She said good things to me the whole time. She talked about how handsome I was and I had to agree with her. <laughs> right? She talked about how good looking I was and how, how I was growing and how happy I was to see her. And, and she made the best cookies. That's probably why I love cookies today. See, every place has an environment. It has an attitude. It's when you walk in, you feel welcomed, you feel loved, or, or you feel like you're an intrusion. We always want to make sure that the children who walk in this place feel the love of Christ. They, feel, they, they think with joy, they think about, I want to go to church because it's a great place. They're going to, they're going to tell me I'm handsome. They're going to give me cookies. <laughs> I mean, you go in there and watch. There's kids sitting around those tables eating those sprinkled donuts. Those sprinkled donuts cost us a dollar more a dozen, okay? <laughs> and they don't even eat the donuts. They just eat the sprinkles off the top. <laughs> and I want you to know, they have my approval to do that. <laughs> right? We want it to be the kind of place. We want to build a church. We want to be the kind of church people that... That people delight in walking in because it's joyful. The people are happy. They love Jesus. They love each other. And we love the kids. Amen? Let's do that. Let me stand. So let's pray we have a great VBS week. Father, we just pray for our children and the children that you're going to send us and the generations that are coming. Lord, we want to invest in those generations. We know that the kingdom is them. Lord, help us to love children well. Help us to love them in a way that it brings glory to God and it draws them to the gospel. It draws them to the truth because they have experienced the love of Christ through God's people. Lord, help us to be loving to the people who walk through these doors to show them the love of Jesus Christ in a powerful way. And Lord, everyone that's been offended, Lord, I pray you would help us release every offense so that we can walk in the freedom of the sons of God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Have a great week. See you at VBS.